United States Institute of Peace, along with Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124, now present their weekly podcast. Let's shift the conversation to something that is playing out overseas, a drama that is affecting millions of lives. Susan Stigand is with us. She is director of Africa programs at the United States Institute of Peace. Tweeting at Susan Stigand, South Sudanese President Salva Kiir said he hopes his meeting with his arch foe will bring an immediate end to the devastating war in the country. Susan, welcome. Thank you for being on POTUS today. Thank you for having me. It's a relief to be able to talk about something that is, uh, well, it's important in a lot of different ways. And clearly we have seen just a terrible deterioration in Sudan since, the, uh, since just a few years ago. Is this a ray of hope? Well, uh, as you said, I think it's, it's been a really disappointing and sad story to see the, the terrible humanitarian crisis unfold. Um, while it's, it's hopeful that President Kier and the former Vice President, Dr. Mashar, are talking um, I think there are some serious concerns about whether the, the government that, that fell apart um, and the political crisis that sparked the violence, spa- sparked this humanitarian crisis, whether that government can be put back together again um, and end the violence and provide South Sudan a path towards peace. So, so we, we have a long way to go. What is the issue that separates the two sides? Well, the the crisis actually began in in December 2013 and is part of a long-standing political competition. Uh, There was a party convention between the the key leaders of the Sudan People's Liberation Movement, the SPLM. And uh, there was essentially a difference about how decisions should be made. Um, at the bottom of the, the the contest, though, was a question about who would run as as president for for the country and for the SPLM. Um, but the the conflict has actually moved away from a crisis between two sides, and this is this is one of the challenges of of the way that the the negotiations are being held right now. Um, just because you get an agreement between President Kier and Dr. Mashar uh, doesn't mean that the other parties, um, the other armed groups, uh, the other opposition groups who have become a part of the conflict will be happy. It also doesn't mean that the citizens, um, 200,000 plus of which are still taking shelter in UN mission compounds in the country and 4 million of which are displaced from their homes, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're, they're ready to, to accept the terms that the, the two top political leaders might agree to. I wonder here, Susan, how much of this is about the two individuals as opposed to two opposing philosophies? Uh, yes, I think uh, most, most people agree that there is a, a fundamental competition, um, but uh, the the violence that took place um, was certainly sparked by that that competition between the individuals, um, but it's it's become more complicated than that. And so you can um, imagine a political competition in a country that doesn't turn violent, um, but because of the events that took place um, in in the capital city, those actually quickly spread throughout the country. They played on previous divisions, previous violence that had taken place among South Sudanese um, and quickly turned into both a political conflict and communal level violence and conflict. So it's not just about the two individuals and there there are many layers of, of this violence and of this conflict that will have to be addressed. 
Once again, we are speaking with Susan Stigant, President, I'm sorry, Director of Africa Programs at the United States Institute of Peace about Sudan. In, in 2011, obviously, we go back seven years. That's when, it was about this time, it was July, I think, uh, when, when, uh, when South Sudan became independent from Sudan. And it just seems there was so much promise at the time, and yet it has deteriorated so far. What's, what's the prospects for the future? As, as you said, 2011 was was really a moment of great hope. I, I had the privilege of being there on on the day of independence, and in, actually during the six years prior, um, and to see this this uh, this promise, this hope, this idea that that life would get much better. Um, I think in in the immediate term, um, the the situation is is not is not particularly hopeful. Um, there's a terrible humanitarian crisis. Over 4 million people have been displaced um, from their homes in the country. Um, over half of the population depends on external assistance just to, to survive and get, through, get enough food every day. Um, and the, the economic crisis that has followed from that, um, because oil is no longer being produced, there are significant corruption challenges, um, it, it means that it would take a significant investment from the international partners in order to just stabilize the economy. So, so the prospects are challenging. Um, I will say, though, that compared to some of the other conflicts that you probably talk about, finding peace in South Sudan is possible. Um, it's a place where the United States has, has taken a leading role in the past, has worked effectively with partners um, from, from Europe, and actually has been able to work in partnership um, with some of the other powers um, globally, with, with China and Russia, certainly in the past, to figure out some, some shared way forward. So it's, it's complex, it's difficult, um, it's a terrible situation, um, but in many ways, it, there, there is a way forward that might be more complicated to forge in Syria or some of the other terrible conflicts that are taking place around the world. Susan, the Security Council of the United Nations a couple of months ago, uh, or last month, as a matter of fact, voted to renew sanctions against six South Sudanese officials, travel ban, assets freeze for blocking peace in South Sudan. Are they proving effective or not? The sanctions are a really important signal that the international community is paying attention and that the actions of of leaders in South Sudan have to change. Um, but those will really only be effective if they're used to support a broader strategy to have a peace process that will address the, the fundamental reasons that this violence started. So sanctions alone are not a strategy. They're, they're a tool and they're an approach to help to, an advance, to advance a strategy. The other challenge with the sanctions is that to, to really implement those, they, they need to be enforced by the neighboring countries. Um, and, and that's been quite difficult to get um, some of the other neighbors, Kenya, Ethiopia, Uganda, Sudan on board to make sure that, that the individuals feel the, the impact of, of some of those sanctions. How much do the average citizens feel the impact of these sanctions or do they at all? So the sanctions that have been um, levied are targeted against individuals as opposed to uh, the country broadly. So I think that's that's an important development um, to the extent that it's it's uh, not giving a, a blanket approach that that might have some of the negative impacts that that other sanctions regimes have had. Um, the the individuals who have actually been targeted. Um, uh, 
most of them, uh, it's unclear whether that's that's touched them particularly closely, but on the, the reputation side, the credibility and the visibility, um, South Sudanese uh, really respect the United Nations. You know, they're the world's newest country. That international recognition is incredibly important. So I don't think we can underestimate the, the importance of the signal that they send. And I wonder, given the economy, how much it affects public opinion and whether or not people are, are feeling itchy about their government. I, I was looking at uh, one story that the Al Jazeera had reported that uh, there was an agreement signed between Sudan and South Sudan under which the South Sudan is going to start pumping its oil through Sudanese territory. I, I can only imagine that uh, an increase in production of any kind of a product that is going to be making its way out of the country is going to bring money to the country. And I, I would think that that would help solidify any economic downturn and therefore it would help to a bit instability. But I'm not sure you can give us some some more guidance on that. Yeah, yes, the the negotiations that are playing out right now are fascinating because um, they're being currently hosted by President Bashir, the president of Sudan. Um, and so for average South Sudanese who voted um, overwhelmingly 98% in favor of separating from Sudan um, only seven years ago, it's a very interesting dynamic that now Sudan is, is brokering um, this agreement. In terms of the oil flow, uh, I think the, the amount of money, it, it's an important development if oil could flow. Um, all of the oil flow has actually been going through Sudan historically. There, there isn't a, a pipeline that goes out of, out of South Sudan directly. It goes up, up, through, up through Sudan previously. Um, so this, it could help to generate some, some income. Um, but the reality, um, even during the peaceful times, is that a lot of that money um, didn't make it to really fundamentally changing the lives of South Sudanese, um, of addressing the, the really significant development needs that, that were left behind from decades of, of the previous civil war, um, and that corruption and um, accountability and transparency of the economic resources remained a significant issue. So from what we hear from, from many South Sudanese is they, they, are, they're, they would be thrilled at the prospect of some, some economic recovery, um, but have some fundamental questions to make sure that that is done in a way that really puts the country and all of the people back uh, on a better path. Susan, thank you for joining us on POTUS today. Thank you so much. Thank you for Susan Stigant this, is, this important Thank you. Yes, thank you. Susan Stigant, Director of Africa Programs at the United States Institute of Peace, shining a spotlight on an issue that is uh, probably far underreported. She is tweeting at Susan Stigant, S-T-I-G-A-N-T. This podcast has been brought to you by the United States Institute of Peace and Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124.